Now don't get don't get scared and start turning off your radios, huh? I'm not advertising or trying to sell you anything. If the mouthwash you're using uh, is uh, not the right kind and it tastes sort of like sheep dip, why well, you just have to go right on using it. I can't advise any other kind. So. Welcome to Bacon, Beans, and Limousines. This is a Will Rogers Memorial Museum podcast and now broadcast. Ooh. I'm your host, Jacob Crumweenie. Guys, and I'm Bart Taylor. We're happy to have you down here in the basement for our first episode on RSU Radio. So what we're going to do this time is we're going to take you through a thematic take on Will Rogers' life. And guess what we're going to start with today? Bacon, Beans, and Limousines. Exactly what our show is named after. We're going to explain a little bit about Will context of the times and to break it down for you bacon beans and limousine style so sit back relax pop on those cowboy boots we'll see you in a bit all right here we are guys back again and we're excited we're really excited Mm. uh this is our first uh podcast episode in a while and it's also kind of symbolizing the reboot of our show yes well it's been four months since we've been down in the basement it's been a while since we've been down here. And our coffee cups have been sitting down here for four months. Full of coffee, waiting for us. Let's just say it's not hot, piping fresh coffee right no. now. No. Um, <laughs> let, let me explain a little bit uh, about what the show is going to be now, yes. from now on. Okay. Uh, we're going to be uh, at least- Are you telling this to me? I'm telling it to you. You're for- if, okay, you're forcing this on me, okay. As if you've never heard it before. <laughs> um, we're going to be doing this show once a month uh, for the time being as a- podcast as it always has um but also it's going to be broadcast on rsu radio uh the will rogers memorial museum is right across the street from rogers state university and we're happy to be partnering with them putting this uh, show on the air too Mm. yeah what a great partnership i think uh not only is the college named after his father but um there are some ties that we are we'll get into um an actual episode over the ties between will rogers estate polo and Rogers State University. That's right. So I think what we're trying to say is our podcast, you know, it was kind of a over the whole life and times of Will Rogers, but this is nice dive in thematic type of episodes. That yeah. Hear. We were kind of going chronologically through Will Rogers life. Um, if for those of you that are f- familiar with our podcast and li- have listened to us before, um, what we're going to kind of do now is just take a different, th- different theme from Will Rogers life, a different specific time period and just talk about it and explore it and kind of uh, let you through us kind of discover a little bit more about Will Rogers. And trust me, learning through us might be one of the best things life can offer you. <laughs> and lo and behold, RSU approached us, loved it. So we're right here for you. So Absolutely. And being a former student of RSU, I'm really, really excited by this. I think this is just about the coolest thing ever. Oh, I agree. And we're getting Will Rogers Back on the radio. I know. know. Which is an exciting adventure, not only for our museum, for us, but it's it, it just feels it feels like we're building something here, original and special, and maybe what Will Rogers would approve of. You never know. Yeah. I, I'm just glad he's gonna be back on the radio. Me too. Even if it's Me too. Even if, if through our voices, you know. Yeah. That's uh, tough luck for Will Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since we are Assuming that we're going to have some new listeners here, uh, let's go ahead and kind of reintroduce ourselves uh, to our listeners. Um, I'm Jacob Crumweedy. He's physically shaking your hand. I am shaking your earbuds right now. <laughs> uh, 
Jacob Crumwitty. I'm the assistant director at the Will Rogers Memorial Museum. Um, I've been here for about nine years now, um, really since I was a student at RSU. I was an intern here. That's how it goes, man. That's yeah. how it goes around here. Well, my name is Bart Taylor, as I introduced myself earlier. I uh, started off um, with an internship here through NSU um, when I was getting my master's in American Studies. And lo and behold, um, I fell in love with this place. Not only did it, was I into Will Rogers uh, to begin with, but it's just nice to finally see what all the fuss and hubbub is about. Because once you get in and you start researching about Will Rogers' life, you can really find points of his life that uh, that are just right there along your uh, along your life. I mean, personally, there's so many things that I admire about him now that I knew nothing about two and a half years ago. Right. So. You know, becoming a Will Rogers type of historian and working here around all this type of stuff has given me a true love for Oklahoma history and not only um, Claremore history and Will Rogers history. So that's what uh, you know. I'm passionate about. I, am, I really do enjoy my job here, um, being the education guy. I uh, love working with Jacob, and we've got a new director, Tad Jones, and he is all about pushing um, some of these new things that we're doing. So yeah, the it's exciting what we're doing with RSU Radio. Um, with the bacon beans limousine stuff, this is just a uh, just this is just a start, I believe, and it's uh, it all comes from Will Rogers. So um, I'm just excited to be here, um, yeah. and sharing the love that I have uh, for Will Rogers and Oklahoma history in general. Yeah, and um, I think what's what's exciting um, really is kind of a relationship with me and Bart. Uh, we have very similar approaches to the museum. We both kind of came about the the same way. Um, interns, uh, graduate students, both kind of studying very similar topics, similar interests. And we're both kind of younger guys. We saw some things we wanted to do here at the museum and, you know, we've just been trying to make them happen. This podcast was one of them. We Mm -hmm. both love doing, listening to podcasts and we thought... We love hearing our own voice. Let's just be honest. (laughs) (laughs) We like listening to podcasts and then we thought, you know, we better do one too. Um, I think we thought it was appropriate. And, uh, we're we're starting kind of from scratch um an education department here within the museum where we're trying to really ramp up uh, a lot of the public programs that we're doing here at the um at the museum definitely uh, this being one of them so we're really excited about the future and um we'll hope you guys will uh, be along for the ride and um stay stay tuned and listen to uh keep an ear out for uh, all the things that we'll be doing up here at the museum yes sir well, guys, um, we're going to take a little commercial break, and we'll be right back. Do you need some relief? <laughs> well, why not pour yourself a cup of Tewedian coffee? No, when I say pour, I don't mean the President's Organization for Unemployment Relief. <laughs> This is the relief of a different kind. Pour this hot coffee into your mug and get back up in that saddle, ready to take on the day. Yeah, let's go. Taiwanian coffee. Freshly brewed brilliance. Have you tried yourself some coffee today? Taiwanian coffee. All right, guys, let's dive right into... um, our episode here. This is going to, uh, since our, the name of our, our show is Bacon, Beans, and Limousines, 
we're going to give you some background on what bacon, beans, and limousines actually means. Right. It's not the uh, funny word that the girl came in the other day. We had a th- uh, third grade girl come in and say, limocenes. Limocenes? And, and okay. I, was, I wonder what she was talking about. So we're going to, this is for her, and this is for other people as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, what, uh, this is ac- what bacon, beans, and limousines actually refers to is a uh, radio broadcast that Will Rogers did with Herbert Hoover in 1931. Um, but before we really get into that specifically, we're going to give you a little bit of background to the time, uh, what was going on, what some of the programs that were uh, being put out there by Hoover, etc. Um, we're going to start out with POUR, P-O-U-R, uh, which was the President's Organization for Unemployment Relief. This was a program, not really a program, but more of a uh, well, an organization that Hoover put together in 1931 um, with the idea of providing relief to those who were stricken by the Great Depression but without using federal money. Right. Um, So his plan was basically to not mess with the wealthy but more or less get private donations and state funding, correct? Right. Just avoiding federal appropriation of Hmm. of funds for Seems real appropriate at the time there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I don't think at the time... Obviously, you can't look at it. You can look at it now in hindsight and say, ah, he really should have been doing this. At the time, he was just trying to deal with it the best way right. that he knew how. And which, that was to put Will Rogers on the case, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> at, th- at this point, yeah. Um, anyway, so the President Organization for uh, Unemployment Relief, um, like, like we were talking about, the idea state, local, and private funds to help provide welfare relief. Right. Um, this was we- something Herbert, President Herbert Hoover um, put together the organization in August, August 19th of 1931. Okay. Um, he appointed Walter S. Gifford, who was actually president of AT&T. The phone the company. Time. Yeah. Ah, nice. As uh, chairman of this organization. If he was still alive. I talked to him about how behind my bill is right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, uh, this organization was um, assembled a lot of different um, business leaders, uh, to help with this effort in different parts around the country. Owen, uh, Owen Young was one of the uh, prominent members. He was the president um, of uh, GE. And doesn't uh, Will Rogers specifically mention him in the Bacon Beans limousine speech? Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, Owen Young, Gifford, Hoover, he mentions all three of those. Yes, he does. Um, for those of you that don't know, and if you don't know, shame on you. Shame! I'll tell you a little bit about Will Rogers' um, before we get into it, to kind of provide a little bit of context. Uh, Will Rogers was uh, one of the most popular private citizens in the United States at the time, during the Great Depression, specifically. We're not talking like most popular guy in Tulsa like me. This is (laughs) worldwide, baby. You know? (laughs) Worldwide. Yeah. Um, He was one of the most popular actors, uh, film stars of the time. He had um, one of the most popular weekly radio programs, he also had a daily and a weekly newspaper column that was syndicated to four or five hundred newspapers around the country. So he was basically hitting all Americans at every medium that he could, pretty much. Pretty much. He wow. had everybody's ear, and that made him also kind of a powerful, at least inf- influential figure in the United States. Not just um, someone the American public listens to, but maybe also looks up to for inspiration as yes. well, don't you think? And I think that idea wasn't lost on Hoover 
and later even um, FDR. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, they tried to use Will Rogers um, as often as they could to try to uh, soften the blow of some hard policies that were being put out there or use him to um, kind of get these things out to the public. Right, and he was such a relatable guy to the public. You know, like we're kind of going to – we've got into in, in our podcast back in the day, but uh, just the way he spoke to the American public – you knew why FDR and Hoover uh, approached Will to speak to them. Uh, you know, I mean, basically as a, a, com- a comedian opener for a really heavy speech about to come. Sure. About policies and, uh, you know, whether it was the New Deal or whatever was being pushed. This was, uh, Will Rogers was the opening act for these for these big deals. So I always thought that was really interesting. Absolutely. Um, and through these, his weekly radio show, his uh, newspaper articles, uh, even film in some ways, he was really the most successful person in any mass media outlet that was available to him at the time. Right. So Will Rogers was both entertaining and informative. Um, a lot of people call him a comedian, but that wasn't necessarily right. Um, it's not really correct. I, I would refer to him more as a humorist. A humorist is someone who uses humor as a tool. Right. It's not the whole point of what he's out doing he's not out there he's doing he's not doing stand-up well yeah and that's that's perfect like i love that calling him a humorist and not just a comedian sure comedian i think i've got a great quote um by lewis black and you know a comedian nowadays uh-huh. he and he this is perfect the way he describes kind of the the humorist humorous style of will rogers there was a real gentleness to his form of satire that was truly admirable says lewis black it gave the same sting, but it did not need to be done in the harsh fashion that I and a number of other comics do. Yeah. Which is, I love to hear that because it's almost like you see the, um, oh, what's the word, the, the pushing of comedy, different boundaries, but Will Rogers always stayed in those boundaries and was sure. able to still do his work. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think the political discourse now is just much different from what it was back then. I'll get into that a little bit later, but... I think that's an important factor. Most definitely. Um, really, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, I think the best comparison uh, right now might be someone like John Stewart, as mm-hmm. far as who they um, would best kind of symbolize someone who uses humor, right? But it was isn't their main focus, and is still very much a social and political commentator. Right. Um, but that would only be if John Stewart was also the biggest movie star of the time too. That would help you understand who Will I have Rogers trouble was. seeing him in Titanic uh, at the front of the boat. <laughs> right. Uh, saving guys on Saving Private Ryan. Sure. I don't know if John Stewart's the best guy. To right. Do that. But that kind of t- tells you a little bit about who Will Rogers was, just how popular the guy was during the uh, Great Depression. Um, anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about. Now that you understand a little bit of who he was and why he was being used. Uh, for things like this, um, back in the time, I mean, this is in the, the 1930, 1931, late 1931. This is, you know, the Depression is now a couple of years. Right, in. we're talking at least two years into yeah. it already. Um, I think Hoover was very active in his attempt to try to find a reasonable solution to the Great Depression. Um, you know, this is something he tried to use rogers for on more than one occasions using his influence to try to get policies or get help the american people understand why things were the way they were right what think what to do what not to do um he would use him for actually like uh um, people would hoard money not understanding like that is affecting the economy a lot of ways so he would try to use 
he would try to use Will Rogers to kind of make jokes about not hoarding money. He would right. suggest I mean, him to do What I was reading in our research earlier is Hoover specifically in a couple radio addresses before BBL wanted him to use those anti-hoarding jokes. Yes, yes. Which I thought was really funny. It's, it's a president uh, trying to, hey, this is what you'll be talking about. And what's interesting, we'll point that out about Bacon Beans and the Limousine speech, is Hoover had something specific to say to the American people. But it necessarily wasn't. It was the truth, but he necessarily didn't state all the thing, all the facts about it. And yeah, guess who did? Well, yeah. <laughs> Will Rogers, of course. Um, I think Hoover's attempts at trying to find solutions uh, to the depression, uh, finding ways to provide relief anyway, uh, they weren't always sufficient, right? In effectively dealing with the with the state of affairs. He was really trying. I think that was probably ev- really evident in a lot of his pro- programs that he put out there. They just, uh, oftentimes it was a l- too little, too late sort of thing. Um, there was a couple examples of things that he had tried. He uh, tried the National uh, the National Credit Corporation where about $500 million of, of money was, tr- um, private money was used to uh, mm-hmm. try to uh, bail out a lot of uh, banks and things like that. Oh, wow. Um, it still didn't really change a lot of things within the uh, economy at the time. Um, a couple other things, Reconstruction Finance Corporation, things like that. Programs that he thought from his perspective would be the best thing to try to deal with these things. Um, and what, uh, poor, getting back to that, the President's Organization for Unemployment Relief was, okay, we have the issue of unemployment, um, depression. Well, there were around 7 million people. 7 million people out of work, roughly. Good um, night. It went from about 3.5 unemployment percent um, percent unemployment in uh, 1929 to a couple years later, almost 25% unemployment wow. rates. So, I mean, it, it was a lot, and it was pretty fast. Um, so you have all these people, and you need to find some way to try to take care of them. And that was this was the way that Hoover right. kind of felt like it was the best way to do it. Um, so he asked Will Rogers, who was... You know, one of the most prominent mm-hmm. private citizens of the time for help, um, specifically with uh, this uh, poor, as uh, it was called, the uh, unemployment. It's uh, pretty program. ironic they couldn't call it any other name there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's P O U R, but right. maybe <laughs> people would just say poor. And people leave. didn't know how to spell back then, so uh, you know, they just probably thought they were making fun of them. Still, you know, so I don't know. One thing that I really, really do like um, about Will Rogers' style, and, you know, if you will just listen to Bacon, Beans, and Limousine's speech after you're done listening to this episode, you'll really under, you'll have an understanding of the context of what we're talking about. And, um, you know, you'll see Will Rogers being serious. I mean, because not all the time Will Rogers obviously wasn't serious. Sure. This was something probably very new to him, um, but he also knew the importance of the job he had speaking to the American American people. Sure. I mean, it was Will Rogers that was asked to speak. It wasn't, you know, Charlie Chaplin or somebody else. It, it was Will. And so um, one thing I, I, I researched was the amount of time, you know, some people, if you look back in Will Rogers' life, a lot of times you'll see, especially when he's growing up, he doesn't really commit to um, whether, whether it's his education as a kid. Um, and you think that might translate um, when he grows up. Well, you know, he's not he's not very good at English or he's not good at this and that. And, and I always tell kids when I'm out doing education programs that it does not matter if you're not good at something as a kid, you know, as a kid, 
Look at Will Rogers. He wrote over 2,200 syndicated articles, you know, right. um, and couldn't write as a little kid. So I, I always bring that up to say Will Rogers worked hard at his craft and his humor. He didn't just get up there and spew stuff. Um, and maybe sure. I can learn a little something from that sometimes <laughs> because, yeah, I love to spew. But something, like I said at the very beginning of this whole, whole uh, program, learning about Will Rogers and understanding those little details, not that he was just an improv guy, that he actually took the time to take serious subjects like he was given with the, the bacon, beans, and limousine speech and translate that into humor, which also translated into getting the American public on his side and uh, understanding his ideas and understanding the bigger things and the bigger picture that was going on. Um, I, th I do like to bring up that Will Rogers in this speech when he was talking about Hoover, he used Hoover as kind of a comic scapegoat. And okay. this was one of Will's styles. Rogers basically was locating the tr the source of trouble in America, and what he would do um, is is he would he would take that, and and through an ironic appreciation of the political figure, he would make exaggerations, but he would never attack him. He would just more more so humanize yes. Herbert Hoover's faults. Yeah, not just saying this guy's terrible or this guy's this and that, humanizing uh -huh. the, the person so it seems like the American public can also humanize that element too and realize that he's just a man just like Will Rogers or just like them. Making him a little bit more relatable and to where the point of attacking him mm -hmm. as vehemently sounds a little bit less appealing. Right. Yeah, and that's and that's great because, gosh, I'll get to that in a minute too. And that's classic Will Rogers, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the idea was that uh, actually, uh, like I was saying earlier, Owen Young, who was part of this uh, organization, um, asked Will Rogers, Owen Young was a Democrat um, on this on this uh, as a part of Poor, um, and he would uh, Hoover through Young asked Rogers to uh, appear on this radio broadcast uh, with Hoover. Uh, Hoover was going to do his address first, followed by Rogers. Rogers was going to do this broadcast from his home in Santa Monica, and Hoover from D.C. Uh, the broadcast uh, first, it was uh, from Hoover's perspective, was offering a positive message, reassuring people that the worst of this depression was behind them, to kind of just power through. Things were going to get better, and that wasn't necessarily the case. I right. mean, as we obviously know now. Right. Um, but his comments really stressed the fact that federal money um, was not going to be appropriated for. Uh, direct relief, uh, but rather could and should be raised by the states and local governments mm -hmm. and even through private money, which uh, I think is a very stark difference from Hoover transitioning to what we know of um, right. FDR's <clears throat> presidency. And, you know, a lot of what I think FDR put together was some really great public programs. Oh, most definitely. Uh, Will Rogers would follow Hoover um, with remarks that were not quite as upbeat, were not quite as positive. When Rogers followed Hoover in this uh, radio broadcast, like I mentioned, he was a little bit less positive, um, at least in his outlook, where Hoover was saying things like, things are, the worst is behind us. Rogers didn't necessarily agree with that, and that was kind of reflected in his in his uh, comments. Instead, his uh, focus was more about 
really the great inequality that there was in society as far mm-hmm. as, you know, from a financial standpoint. Um, he really believed that, and he said this is a quote from uh, the broadcast itself, that there was just as much money in the country as there ever was, only fewer people have it. Right. So he really agreed with Hoover in, in the sense that there needed to be relief and it needed to come from the people who helped kind of cause the situation that right. was there. Um, at least from his perspective. Um, he advocated a more, and this is another quote, a more equal distribution of the wealth in right. the country um, when it came to the public relief, that the wealthy that ha- the wealthy had a responsibility to contribute to the solution uh, for a problem that they had helped create. So they they were at least in agreement on that part. Yes, there needed to be relief. <laughs> there was the, one thing they agreed on there. Yeah. Will Rogers kind of took a different approach, and I think if 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 Hoover would have had his druthers, he would have had Rogers say some different things. Oh, definitely. But uh, <laughs> he kind of Will Rogers kind of wandered into commentary that Hoover probably wasn't comfortable with. Sure, but he finished off finished off the broadcast really praising Hoover for his efforts, and that's what I think is is really a really significant part about who Will Rogers is and right. why, why he's still respected and seen as a as heroes by people even today 80 years later after his death. Well, and that also it's it's another thing we're, we me and you are uh, we're inspired by Will Rogers. Sure. And that right there you just don't see that anymore. Um, especially from one of the most private or, you know, public citizens, most popular public citizens, mm-hmm. comedian, whatever you want to call him, you, you just don't see that from anybody else. Right. Anymore, it seems like the marching orders of anyone, if you don't agree with somebody, is just to attack them, right? tear them down, whether it be passive-aggressively or whatever. Right. And Will Rogers was quite the opposite. Towards the end of this radio broadcast that we now call Bacon, Beans, and Limousines, um, he was very, very congratulatory, may not be the best word, but he looked up to what Hoover was doing and said, really complimented him, saying some very stirring things about about Hoover. He claimed that the issue of unemployment was an issue that Hoover wanted to solve more than anything else. Um, Hoover was really trying to fix the problem um, that was already kind of spinning out of control mm-hmm. and out of his control. But he, he, from Roger's perspective, he was still doing his best effort, even though I think Roger's deep down believed it wasn't the best one to, right. one to go Definitely. about. But he still recognized he's trying to fix this. Yes. We need to support Hoover in his efforts. Um, he really, Rogers commented, um, his, his comments are good examples of why political discourse is much different than it is now, like we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, he's overall very respectful, very civil. Well, there, and there's one, there's one point in the speech, and I took this directly out of there, for the research, and I'll quote him here, the working classes didn't bring this on. It was the big boys themselves that thought this financial drunk we were going through was going to last forever. They overmerged, overcapitalized, and over everything else. Uh, right there, you see Will and his style. In you know, in my opinion, he's debunking and unmasking this real complex situation. Yeah. Um, but also, what he's doing, um, like we said earlier, he never attempted to des- destroy. You know Hoover's credibility, mm-hmm. what he was trying to do. He always wanted to improve the impressions and the conditions sure. of 
mankind, basically. I mean, <laughs> I know that's a little high-minded there, but um, he never he never lashed out at the corporate business side of it. Um, he always used constructive criticism, basically, in, yeah. hu- in humor form. So I, I thought that was a good one to bring up, kind of classic Will Rogers there. And that kind of goes back to what I love about Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. You know, Will Rogers kind of exists in history, and most historical figures that you read about and that you research, you don't take this almost hero-like mindset with them, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think Will Rogers is a little bit different, and I think a lot of this refers to that specifically. Too often will people use their, their political difference, difference of political opinion, um, as a way to tear each other down. Will Rogers didn't do that. He would disagree with, like, he would disagree with Hoover, but he would treat Hoover with respect. Right. I think that was an important thing that uh, came out of this came out of this broadcast um what a great character trait that will rogers always had going sure. respect it um among other reasons which we will actually explore on this program on down the road is why will rogers kind of tends to transcend his transcend history mm-hmm. most definitely um and live more as a folk hero status instead of just a historical figure like i was mentioned right a minute ago he really embodied uh, so much of what we identify as like noble qualities, things like that. Mm-hmm. He was the embodiment of a lot of that. Um, and the same with this political discourse that uh, we've been talking about. Anyway. And it's a great, it's a, like we said earlier with the kids, this is a great, great role model. Um, yeah, the man died in 1935. But that doesn't mean 80 years later he can't still be an inspiration for Jacob Crumweedy. That's right. Bart Taylor. Absolutely. Tad Jones. And kids across the world. That's right. Well, and I say that in jest, but that's kind of our mission here. I mean, sure, we're not just having a goofy time down here. Yeah, we are having a goofy time and avoiding work, but uh, we're also <laughs> <laughs> we're also very serious and passionate about this. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, um, this is this is just a great thing for us to be doing, giving back the way Will would give back to uh, to the public. So we're excited to be here, guys. Excited, excited, excited. Yeah. Um, and I, I really look forward to this this program, and I hope you guys do too. Um, if you want to go ahead and email us, you know, if you have a suggestion for a great episode that you think might be an awesome episode, shoot us an email at askwill at willrogers.com, and we'll be happy to take a look at those and, um, and do some of those episodes, if you would like. Um, we better wrap this up, though. Um, we want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. You can subscribe to us um, on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. And, of course, you'll find us right here on RSU Radio. Yes, that sounds so good. Right to the ears. <laughs> Doesn't Right it? to the ears. Well, guys, thanks again for uh, sticking around with us for the last 30 minutes, learn a little bit about Will Rogers and why like we call our show the Bacon, Beans, and Limousine Show. Um, we hope to see you in about three weeks with a brand-new episode. And uh, we'll take it from there. So thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Mm